Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your goodness. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, I, I just thank you uh, that the many ways that you give us to worship you. Lord, thank you for uh, the privilege of having Philip back with us this morning. It's been a blessing. We praise you for that. And uh, Lord, we, we, we're so glad to have him with us and, and uh, that he's, he's still here. He's still here. He still can come back from time to time. So we give you the glory that we can worship you in song. And, and yet, Lord, we know that we worship you in other ways. We worship you through our service to you. When we serve you, when we get out and we, we work and do the things that we do in the name of Jesus, whether we're serving those that are homeless or serving a meal to those in need, uh, Lord, we, we, we worship you in that way. And we worship you through our giving, Lord, even in as we give to maintain this building and to meet the needs of the boiler, all those different things, we worship you in that way. And right now, Lord, we're going to worship you through your word. We thank you for your word, Lord. Your word spoke to people 2,000 years ago, and it speaks to us today. And I thank you that your word has the power to not only speak in our lives, but to change us from the inside out. So, Lord, we, we just come before you now and just say we're ready. We're ready to receive, and we're ready to respond. And, and Lord, as, 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 as Mindy said, make us more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to get started with our time together. And, um, you know, I want to start out with a question, and just to keep it real. And, and, and my question is, how, how's your faith doing this morning? How, how are you doing? Um, it, it's, it's been a rough eight months, and it gets tiring. I, I don't know if you guys have heard the term COVID fatigue. Well, I'm tired. I'm tired, tired, you know. I mean, sometimes we just... Tired, tired of wearing the mask, tired of the protocols. Um, it, it's tiring. And it's been a challenging eight months, hasn't it? And, and right now, our country is struggling. Uh, I don't know if you've watched the news, but, you know, we've got political conflict. We have an upcoming presidential election. It's, it's one week from this Tuesday. Uh, many of you, I'm not going to take a uh, show of hands, but I know many of you have already voted. You know, we already got a lot, people are voting early, and uh, not, hopefully not voting off, and I, that's a Chicago term, uh, but, but get out and vote. I want to tell you that, you know, because when this is over, I, I've said this, when this is over, when the election is over, it's not over. There are going to be protests when this is over. Whoever wins, there's still going to be protests, but you know what? I don't want to hear nothing about no protests if you didn't vote, okay? Get out and vote. Do, do, do your... That's a privilege that we get to vote. So make the time to vote and get it done. Um, also, we continue to have many challenges, too, regarding the virus. Uh, I was sharing with our, our, at our prayer meeting, daily prayer meeting, I said, we, we've got, at this point, we've got 222 lives that have been lost. Uh, last week, we had a day where it was 1,200 uh, that died in a single day. Um, we currently have 31 states on our quarantine list. That means, just spell it out for you, that means if you go to any of those 31 states, when you come back to Chicago, you have to quarantine for 14 days. That's a mess, you know? Can't go to Wisconsin right now. Can't go to Indiana. I mean, like, there's all these rules and protocols. So it, it's, it's a struggle. And right now, our state, our state, the state of Illinois, is in the top 10 list of growing cases with the virus 
And our government leaders, our, our mayor and our governor, are having to make some difficult decisions because of this. Decisions that may actually put businesses out of business because of it. To be honest with you, I'm just thankful that we're meeting today. I, I'm, by God's grace, I mean, give the Lord a hand that we're able to still meet. Um, and, 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 and I pray and I'm thankful for live stream for those of you that are watching us at home. Thankful that we're able to live stream the services to you. And I pray that continues. I pray that continues. Amen. So my question is, what about you? What's your situation? Maybe you're, maybe you're a student and you're dealing with virtual learning from, from, from home. Maybe you're a teacher. My daughter's a teacher. Neither teachers nor students like what's going on right now. Amen? It's difficult. It's difficult doing online learning. It's not fun. Maybe you're a parent trying to maintain some sense of normalcy with, with your child in the midst of this pandemic. And they want to be around their friends. Right? But we can't do what, what we normally do. Maybe you're in a different situation. Maybe you're out of work. Many people have lost jobs. Some have lost businesses. I've seen so many businesses in our community that are gone. Um, or maybe you're simply here and you're coming off the streets of Uptown. You're homeless and it's getting cold outside. Whatever your situation is, God's word speaks to the power of our faith and how it enables us to respond to the challenging circumstances of this life. I want you to turn with me now to the book of Romans. We're going to be looking in chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. And as you're turning there, um, I preached just two weeks ago. And I shared from the book of James, very familiar passage, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8. And then that, that, that scripture talked about consider it joy. Consider it all joy when, when we go through trials and difficult circumstances. And, 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 and so we talked about learning how we should live and the attitudes we should have in the midst of trials. That's what we talked about. And we talked about how God actually uses tests in trials in our lives, and in, in how he matures us and teaches us perseverance through, through, the, through these trials and these tests. So today's passage is going to continue with that theme, that theme of, of perseverance. So let's read now, uh, if you could with me, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Let's read that together. Romans 5, starting with verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given, whom, who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen? My first point this morning is it takes real faith to grow in godly character. It takes real faith to grow in godly character. So the question is, what, what is real faith? Well, real faith is, is you and I knowing that in the midst of all the chaos that is happening around us, that God is in control, that God is still sovereign. He's not surprised by anything that's going on. 
He's not, you know, he's not caught off guard as you and I are when the next thing happens. God is in control. And we need to know that and we need to believe that. The next thing is that real faith allows us to have complete confidence in God's promises. And I'm going to go back a chapter to chapter 4 to talk about that. In chapter 4, and I want you to turn to chapter 4, verses, verse 18. And it speaks to Father Abraham. And it's going to talk about his circumstance and how he believed God in the midst of against all hope. And so it says in verse 18, chapter 4, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And that is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Amen? Amen. Abraham had faith, even though it didn't make any worldly sense, right? He's almost 100 years old, and yet God says, your your wife's going to give birth to, to this son. You're going to be the father of many nations. And he had that faith. He believed in the promises of God. And you and I need to believe in those promises as well. The next point is that real faith in Christ gives us these three things. Peace with God, access to God, and a position of grace. Those are three amazing things, guys. Now that word justified, it means to be made right. And the first benefit of being made right with God is we have peace with God. That's a big deal because you and I, we have a new relationship with with God because of a relationship with him. Once you and I were, guess what, before we knew Jesus, we were enemies of God. We were hellbound. We were heading in the wrong direction. We weren't running to God. We were running away from God. We were enemies of God. But now, those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we, we are friends of God. We're children of God. He, we're adopted by God. I mean, there's so many things that we have now. And that we have statement is stated in the present tense, st- indicating something that's already possessed. So, therefore, peace with God is established a moment. You put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's over. You're no longer enemies of God. You are friends with God. Amen? And, and you and I, are, I want you to know, we're, we're saved by grace. There's nothing we can do. We're saved by grace. You and I are a forgiven people. And we need to remember that and we need to walk in that forgiveness. We, we, we don't have any prideful pride in us. We know we can't save ourselves. It's not anything we did. Even the faith he gave us to believe in him, put our trust in him. Secondly, we have access to God. Now, now this is really something else. Jesus ushers us in the very presence of the Lord. One of my wife's, Mary Ellen's, favorite passages of Scripture, verses of Scripture, is Matthew 2751. I want you to look this up later. In and, and, and Matthew 2751, it speaks directly to this. It says, when Jesus died at the moment, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We've actually got a, a, a banner that shows you that curtain that was torn. 
And and the tearing of the curtain signified Christ making it possible for us as believers to go directly into the presence of the Lord. That is a big deal. In the Old Testament, if you read about it, um, there's only one person that could go go in the Holy of Holies in that temple. It It was the priest. And even when the priest went in, they had a little bell on him just in case they had to pull him out. Because if he had done something wrong, God would kill him on the spot. And yet you and I now, because of what Jesus did, you can go in the presence of God. I went into the Lord's presence this morning. I pray you did as well. And and any of us can do that. You, You don't need me to do that. You can do that on your own. You can do that in your quiet time, going into the presence of God. And in, in because of this, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, it encourages us as believers. It says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen? Amen. I came into his presence this morning. I encourage you to take advantage and to spend time with the Lord. Amen? That's a blessing. So we have access to God. And then lastly, through Christ, we stand in a position of grace with God. Now that's amazing as well. We have a a position of grace through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And standing in this grace, we we are in a sphere of, of constant forgiveness. Constant forgiveness. You know, I, I, when I think about this, this, this position of grace, I, I think about my kids. Matthew and Sarah. Now, my kids are grown now. They're grown. Sarah, Sarah's a teacher. She, she's, she's out there teaching the kids. My son is a junior in college. But you know what? You're always going to be my kids. And, and when, when they were my kids, they could do nothing wrong, you know? I mean, even when they messed up, because I still had grace for them. Matter of fact, I was the, I was the good cop. I like to be the good cop and make Mary Ellen the bad cop. I, I confess it wasn't right, but... But that's, that's kind of how it was. I had to grow up. But, um, cause you, you know, I got to be the bad cop too sometimes. Amen? But, um, but anyway, I loved them. And they knew that. And they kind of had daddy wrapped around their finger. But, so, but I want you to know that's how God feels about you. You are his children. And he loves you. And it, it's, he doesn't love you because you did something for him this morning. He loves you just because he loves you. And I, I mean that for everybody in this room. I don't care if you're homeless on the street. I don't care what you're situated. I don't care what you've done. Jesus loves you just because he does. And so it's not based on anything we've done. I want you to know that. The next verse says, And, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice, get this, in our sufferings. Because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. My next point is that believers are to rejoice in the glory of God in all circumstances. Not some, in all circumstances. We're to rejoice in the glory of God. And so we rejoice in the glory of God. And the glory of God is, is what God intended man to be before the fall. Before Adam and Eve messed up. That's the glory of God. And as a believer, I can have full confidence that the purpose for which God created me will now be fulfilled, and I will someday share in the very glory of God. And I say that to all of you. We will share in the glory of God. Hope is, hope, that hope is confidence of that final glory. Our developing, and so our developing Christian character is proof 
that God is at work in us. I'll say that again. Our developing, that means it's ongoing, Christian character is proof that God is at work in us. And the fact that God is at work in our lives should give us confidence because what God starts, guess what? He finishes. Okay? God is not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. He's continuing, and that, that big word is sanctification. He's continuing to sanctify us and make us more like Jesus every day. And guess what? Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes it's not fun. But God doesn't say it's not going to hurt. He says he's good. It's for our good. He wants to make you more like Jesus. And so suffering, here's what suffering does. In, in other words, we can rejoice in our sufferings because we know our sufferings, what? They're not meaningless. There's a pain in the, there's a, there's a purpose in the pain. Okay? We need to remember there's a purpose in the pain. It's, it's not meaningless. And, and Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, great hearts can only be made by great troubles. Great hearts can only be made by great troubles. So God has a plan and a purpose to what he's doing. And suffering tests the strength in the nature of our connection to God. It, it, it makes, is your faith real? It's getting tested right now. We're all been going through that for eight months. And it tests your faith. And uh, John, R., John R. Stott, in his, in, his, in his book, Men Made New, he put it this way. He says, it isn't that we rejoice in the sufferings themselves so much as the beneficial, their beneficial results. We're not masochists who enjoy being hurt. We are Christians who see in our sufferings the outworking of a gracious divine purpose. We rejoice because we know what our suffering produces. Amen? Amen. We need to remember that. Suffering also proves our faith. Problems, and no one, you're not going to want to hear this, but problems and trials are actually good for us. We learn more when we're going through difficult times than when everything's going great. That's just the reality. Problems and trials are good for us. And the reason why is because of what they produce. When we're walking in faith, suffering produces perseverance. You learn to persevere, to press through things. And perseverance means to persist in something despite the difficulties. So threats to our faith give occasion for our faith to press through hard times. And perseverance then brings about proven character. And so when your faith presses through, your heart, through hard times, it proves itself to be real. The month of November, we're heading into the month of November, and, and for those of you that don't remember, the month of November is, is a time where we remember the persecuted church. I want to tell you something about the persecuted church. We're going to have a member of our church um, come forward in a, just a couple weeks to share about persecution that he, he went through. And a couple weeks ago, he had written me a um, an email, and, and he had moved back. I, I knew he was overseas. I remember praying for him because we're having certain issues with people that were in, in the area that he was in. And all of a sudden, he was back in Wisconsin. And um, he wrote me um, an email. And, but in the email, he said he used the word escape. And I was like, what? Let me read that again. So I read it again, and I called him. I said, what are you talking about? And he shared that, that he actually got called in and interrogated several times. And, and, and he 
God gave him wisdom to get out. He didn't wait for the next interrogation. He, he got on a plane, and he came home. And by God's grace, he's, he's with, he'll be with us in a couple of weeks. But I, I share that with you because perse- persecution is going on every day in different parts of the world. If you read about the persecuted church, but I'll tell you something about the persecuted church. They're not lukewarm. They're on fire for the Lord because they know it's real. And they know the persecution makes it even more real. It really tests your faith. And they are not, they're not, they're bold. They're bold in who they are. Now, they're smart. I mean, they're smart. They, you got to have wisdom to live and do those things, what they're doing. But I'm telling you, it really toughens you up. And, and you, you're not, there's no lukewarm Christians in, in those nations. And so there's, there's something that happens. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in the month of November. Um, so... I want to talk to you about that the problems and trials prove faith the way fire tempers steel. You know, fire, when you come through the fire, they, they, God puts that, that steel through the fire. It, it, what it does is it, it, it makes you stronger. It burns away all the impurities in, in the metal when it goes through the fire. And if your faith perseveres, it shows and shows that it's tough and steel. Then you, what? you have more hope. You have more hope. And then the reason why that you have that hope is because you see and you know when you go through that trial that your faith is real. I don't know about you, but eight months later, I know my faith is real. You know, my faith has grown tremendously during these eight months. And those of you that join me in prayer, I mean, we, we, we just, we, we spur one another on, right? Because we know this, this is a real deal. And you, maybe when you read in the Bible before and you talked about last days and how it's going to be, maybe you're like, well, Nothing's happening, but all of a sudden those verses become very real when we see what's happening in the world today. Amen? So we're going to sing a song in in just a little bit. Um, And and there's a song that we used to sing, and I encourage you to sing it with me in a minute. But it was a song that speaks to this. It's called Refiner's Fire. And we used to sing this in the church. So if you know it, you can sing this stanza with me. But it goes like this. Just bear with me. Goes, purify my heart, let me be as gold, don't leave me out here alone, and precious silver, purify my heart, let me be as gold, pure gold, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master. Ready to do your will. Amen. Amen. Doug, Elder Doug spoke on holiness just last week. And, and God wants to make us holy as he is holy. Amen. And, and so my question for you is, is what impurities does God want to burn out of your life? What impurities does God want to burn out of your life? And all you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. He'll reveal it to you. He'll show you. For some of us, it's, 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 it's bitterness. 
For some of us, we've got an issue with anger. For some of us, it's pride. For some people, it's self-willfulness. Right now, I can't tell you, it drives me crazy how many people refuse to wear that mask. When I go out in the streets of Uptown, and, and they're walking defiantly, like, yeah, you say something to me. I mean, I mean, it's just, I, mean and I know they're tired of it, but there's this rebellion that's in us to say, I don't want, I'm not going to do that. And so it just, it, you, you know what I'm saying, amen? I'll move on. And some of us, we're just struggling with unforgiveness. Sometimes it's struggling to forgive the person not wearing the mask. But it's, sometimes it's other issues that we struggle to forgive others. So whatever it is, you ask the Lord. It's between you and the Lord. But he'll reveal those things because there's impurities in all of us that he's burning out during this season. And he's doing it for our good. Lastly, godly thinking determines how we respond to difficulties in this life. Let's, let's be real. None of us like suffering. Uh, therefore, we have two choices. We have two choices when, when difficulties come our ways. One, we can grumble and we can complain against people or even God, even to the point of cursing people or the Lord, or we can rejoice in the Lord in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the trial. We can do that. In James chapter, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, with, the, with our tongue, we praise the Lord and Father, and with it, guess what? We curse men who have been made in God's likeness. And Paul says, he says, it shouldn't shouldn't be that way. He says, brothers, that should not be. And so when when it uses that word cursing, it's not necessarily literal cursing, like I hear in the streets of Uptown as I walk around some days. Can't say amen, say ouch. This is keeping it real. Um, But but it's saying this. It says, rather it means to utter careless words about people or to speak ill of someone. And so my question is, is have you spoken ill of someone in this church family? Or, or someone around you in your workplace? And I want to challenge you to be careful about what you say about people. And to try to speak to them in love rather than speaking about them in anger. I'll say that again. To speak to them in love rather than to speak about them in anger. And I want to be real because this is difficult. Sometimes we get frustrated and folks get on our nerves. And I know it's hard, but we need to do things God's way. Okay? Uh, we we, we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, okay? That's just the reality. And, and I struggle with this too. Um, but, but when we speak about people rather than speaking to them, we're actually acting as unbelievers. That's how they act. And, and, and God says, we're not about that. We're, we're no different than the world when we do that. And so, you know, I want to give you a picture. It's like, like a dog that's got a choke chain. I remember when we used to walk our dog, Louie. Man, Louie didn't have no sense. I love Louie, but he would just run, a, run ahead and bang, you know, if it, you know, almost choke himself. But you and I, we, we need a, like a choke chain on ourselves to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, to check ourselves when we're about to say that thing that we shouldn't say. Have to, we have to keep a tight rein on our tongue. We, and so you and I, we can, we can choose when we're going through pain, we can choose to, to learn from our pain or we can choose to focus on our pain. Some of us, and, and self-included, sometimes we, we get in a pity party, we're focusing so much on the pain that we can't learn from it. And, and, and we, I, I get into this where, where you know, we need to tell our, our pain, turn out to, to, you know, we... 
Sometimes we're telling God how big our problems are when we need to tell our problems how big our God is. Amen? And so we, we got to refocus that and, and, and focus on what God is trying to teach us in that circumstance. I know it's hard to do, but we need to do it. And so we can choose to blame people or God in trials, or we can choose to fix our eyes on the Lord in the midst of the suffering, trusting that God can give us more through the pain than without it. So we need to know when you're going through it that there's a purpose, and the purpose is good, even though the pain that you're going through is not. And so closing this part, you write this down for later. Suffering, this is a statement, suffering may be inevitable, but misery is optional, okay? Don't forget this. Suffering may be inevitable, but misery is optional. We don't have to stay miserable when we're in that circumstance. Verse 5, last verse for today. It says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We as believers possess the divine love of God. Amen? God lavishes his love on us. He just pours it on. The Holy Spirit has poured God's supernatural love into our hearts. And because God has done this, there's no reason for you that you and I can't love people. And you know who I'm talking about because there's some difficult people to love. But because God has lavished his love on us, we're able to love others that are difficult to love. Amen? You can't say amen, say ouch, because I, I got, we got some difficult folks sometimes, right? And it takes, but it takes, but God's given that love. He puts that love in us that we're able to extend ourselves in that way. God desires that we lavish his love on others. And one of the main things God wants to teach us as his people is how to love people with an agape love. I want to explain that, that agape kind of love. Agape means an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what they do, whether they deserve it or not, that you seek the highest good of that person. It's a self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return, and it doesn't consider the worth of its object. Agape love is more of a love by choice. You are choosing to love that person. And it describes the unconditional love God has for the world. Okay? God has an agape love for all of us. And, 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 and God, our own human love, it, it runs hot and cold, doesn't it? You ever say, Admin, I'm done with that. I'm done with that person. I mean, that's, that's the truth. We get to that point. It's like, you know, we run out. Our, run, our, our love easily runs out. However, agape love, the kind of love God gives us, it doesn't depend on our feelings or our desires. It is totally unselfish love that is always available and freely given. Are there people in your life that God is challenging you to love with an agape kind of love? You know what I'm saying? Amen? He puts people like that in our lives. I'm like, why? <laughs> but he, he's stretching you. And, 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 and I'm saying you're able to do that through his grace, through his, his power. There are people that... that, that I struggle to love. There are people that I struggle uh, to deal with in, in our community because they come at me in, in some ways that are not good. And yet God says, love them anyhow. I give you, give you that, that love to, 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 to bear with them, to walk with them, 
And it doesn't depend on what they did or who they are. They're, they're, God values them. Amen? And so I, I say that to you as a challenge. So as we close, I have a few questions to ask you. And the first one is, are you experiencing the joy and benefits of your salvation? I talked to you about having peace with God. I, I pray that you are. And if you haven't, I'm going to talk to you about how you can do that in just a moment. But you have peace with God. You have access to God. And you have the grace of God. We need to walk in those things. Those, those things are, are very, very special that, that God gives us. Next question is, what's currently causing stress or pressure in your life? Yeah, I know some of you are getting out the list, right? There's <laughs> more than one thing. But you need to look at that. And then my question is, next question is, are you seeing those things as test of faith and opportunities for God to develop character in you? If you're like me, when those things come, you just want them gone. Say, Lord, get rid of the storm. But guess what? Many times God says, I'm going to bring you through the storm. He wants to bring you through the storm. He wants to strengthen you as you go through that. So we need to be willing to cooperate with that process. If your pressure, next question, if your pressure has caused you to develop the wrong attitude, are you willing to let God change your stinking thinking? Okay? Just keeping it real. Some of us have stinking thinking. And, and you know, we, 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 we know how we want it done. We spell it out to the Lord. He's not interested in that. We have to change your, you have to change your attitude. And so we have to submit ourselves to the Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. And help me to have a positive attitude in the midst of it. And God will do that for you. He will help you. If you have stopped doing the right thing. Now, next question is, if you stop doing the right thing, are you ready to jump back in and let God work on your character? Okay? God is not done with you yet. Pastor Allen used to have a picture up in his office. And he had this, this guy with a chisel. And he's, God, and he's chiseling. And, and that's how it is. God is molding us. And, and he, some of us got rough edges, and he's just slowly taking the rough edges off. And, and it hurts, Okay? I'm not one of these pastors going to tell you it doesn't hurt. It hurts. It's real. That pain is real. But he is good. He is good. And so with that, I want to close up with a word of prayer. And, and uh, if you could pray with me. And I just want to invite you that are on live stream to listen to what I'm about to say as well as those that are here. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are growing us in character. And, and that you're not done with us yet. Thank, Lord, it would have been enough for you to save us. But you, you saved us. And, and you choose to use us for your glory in the midst of that. And that's an honor. It would have been enough that you saved us. And then, Lord, you saved us, but you didn't leave us in that same place. Because you want to make us more and more and more like you. And so, Lord, help us to cooperate in that process. Help us to praise you in the midst of of the pain and spur one another on and help carry each other's burdens in the midst of those struggles because we you're good you're good and your purposes are good so teach us perseverance teach us uh, and give us hope in the midst of trial and lord for those that are here today and listening to this message 
for those that are here and you do not have that peace with God, I want to encourage you that, that you can have peace with God this morning. And it's very simply by coming to him and admitting that you are a sinner, that you are a fallen person, that you're not perfect, that you can't fix everything, and that you need Jesus. And Jesus was sent to the cross, as we've sung over and over again this morning, he was sent to the cross to die for your sin, for my sin, that we might be a forgiven people. And so you simply have to acknowledge that to God, acknowledge your sinfulness, and to ask Jesus for his forgiveness and to invite him in to be your Lord and Savior. The Word of God says if we confess Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so it is as simple as that. And so I encourage you, if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus today, this morning, and to walk in that forgiveness so that you might have peace with God, that you might have access to God, and that you might walk in that position of grace, that you would not no longer be enemies of God, but be a friend of God. And so that's my prayer for you this morning. And if you do that, please, if you're online and you're listening, let us know. And if you're here today and you do that, let us know so we can begin to walk that, that journey of discipleship with you. Thank you for joining us. Lord, we give you the glory this morning. Be glorified in our lives. We pray you go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.